Thanks for listening today. This is Stepping Into Freedom, the podcast about standing fast in the liberty wherewith we have been made free from Alma 5840 in the Book of Mormon. Um, this is another one of a, a kind of a revisit from season one. Brandon Hart uh, is back on today in this episode. And um, this is kind of a, a different story than he told last time. Last time was kind of all about his efforts with uh, the cleaner net, his business, which I'll probably end up putting a link to in this one for that anyways, just because of how much good it's doing. Um, but uh, this one is, for reasons you will find out, really cool way that Brandon phrased this uh, towards the end of the episode, freedom from the cancer of the soul. Um, and he talks about, relates that, that phrase to um, his spiritual journey, socially, all that other uh, hard stuff through a divorce. Um, there's so much he touched on, honey, in this one. What did <laughs> come to your mind first? <laughs> Just the the fact that he was able to turn to to turn to the Lord, despite the hardship he was facing with the choices of of his wife and um, ex wife, yeah, ex-wife, <laughs> and how that led him to be prepared for his current wife and how God is always in the details of, of our lives. And I truly testify that to be the, the case. And it definitely goes along with what we learned this weekend in conference. So oh, um, I hope you enjoy. Yeah, well, I'm glad, to, glad that you said that too because President Oaks, like Jeremy Goff said, just spitfire. He's just like, stop hating on each other. Paraphrasing, obviously, but... <laughs> It's like, love your enemies, right? And funny thing that we're uh, end up doing this intro and outro now because um, you know, we actually did the interview for our listeners last week, last weekend, or was it two weeks ago? I forget now. Anyways, and I'm like, it's interesting that we're doing this now because it really does relate to what Brendan talked about in this one. Just being free from bitterness and anger and all that stuff, you know? And the fact that he was able to love on his wife despite... His ex-wife, despite her, oh, her choices. Yeah. Up until the things were finalized. And, and, and with, with, with you'll, what charity? We won't spoil this, but with how they were finalized, that. I'm like, like talk about kicking you while you're down. Like, yeah. And he still was like, you know what? He goes home that first night after they got that, that message. And he's just he like, just prays. Yeah, he just felt like about peace. I'm like, whoa. That's loving your enemies. <laughs> yeah, just trusting. He didn't, didn't even to take think. Care of yeah, didn't even think of it as an enemy situation on his part. So yeah, that was impressive. Wait till I hear that one. That one's like, wait, you, you responded really well to that. How did you do that? Like, <laughs> so, anyways, yes, I'm glad Clip brought that up. But uh, enjoy. Here we go. So for today's episode, again, we have uh, Brandon Hart. Funny thing, if you go and listen to his episode from last season. Um, that one was really fun. Uh, I think that was the one about cleanliness, and yeah. uh, which fits very well with what he does with uh, the cleaner net. I may just put a link to that in the description for this. Check it out if you want to learn more about internet safety for you and your family. Um, just totally needed right now. Yeah, I just totally needed. <laughs> Got Colette joining me today as uh, as my co-host, my absolutely just beyond words amazing wife. Um, so, yeah, this is going to be great. Um, just for for those who maybe not have heard your uh, the episode last season, Brandon, or 
maybe don't know about about you, period, kind of give a bit of an intro about yourself, and if you would, and then we'll kind of get onto the story and questions and whatnot. Sure. Um, yeah, so um, uh, how far back do you want me to go, Paul? <laughs> get your whole life story. I'm just kidding. Just <laughs> <laughs> how much time does everybody have here? No. Um, <laughs> I'll give you a, I'll give you a quick introduction. So I grew up in Idaho Falls, Idaho. I'm an Idaho boy originally. Uh, I served a mission in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, back in 1990. By starting 97 through 99, January 97 to 99, I actually went into MTC on New Year's Day. So oh, fun. Um, so, so it was, yeah. So it was technically 97, but it was very early on. Uh, <laughs> and uh, love that. Um, I went to school up at Elias Business College when I got back from my mission and lived that's, in Salt Lake. Is that, that's not Enzyme College, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, I believe so, yeah. Man. Yeah. So, um, Temp- South Temple. Did, yeah. I did that in part because they didn't have out-of-state tuition at the time, so it was a little, little cheaper to go there. Yeah. Um, and I, I met my then-wife. We were married, and, uh. We moved down to St. George, Utah uh, shortly after, and so I've been here ever since. Uh, love it down here. Uh, we added three children to our family, and then uh, and then I went through uh, a divorce, which I'll talk a little bit about today, back in 2014, and um, and ever since, uh, I, I was, I've been remarried, and we've added two more kids to our family, and ha- happily married. I kind of like you, Paul. I found... I found my Colette, and her name's Dana. Yay. She's an amazing uh, woman, and, and just, uh, anyway, my experience, well, I, I want to share some of that experience with you guys today, because it's, uh, it, it's really a highlight, and one of the hardest things I've went through in my life, so that's kind of what I want to talk about, but mm. that's a little bit about me. Um, my business, I started the Cleaner Net last year um, to help, kind of help families with internet uh, safety, especially so many people are dealing with problems with pornography and uh, other internet addictions, even social media and things like that. So I really set out to try and provide a tool to help families, especially and our youth, um, to hopefully curb or, or prevent some of these terrible addictions that is affecting so many people today. Um, pornography really is the plague of our, of our day. Um, it's been called you know, a plague by several prophets and apostles over the years. And, um, and I've, I've now witnessed kind of what the results are of that, that kind of going unchecked and, um, the effects that it's had on our society and our world. So anyway, so we're, we're trying to change that a little bit one home and one family at a time. So that's kind of what we're doing now. That's That's awesome. awesome. Yeah. Colette and I both had (laughs) different, different angles experience with the effects of that garbage and yeah many people as we can get fighting that the better right yes for sure for sure need to do it for movies too and bring back the clean movies yeah clean movies would be great (laughs) (laughs) come on pure flicks (laughs) yeah i just don't watch them anymore i'll be honest actually the the last recording uh last recording that we did um with julie hatch um you're you know talking about like uh, the with paula drysdale um the idea of well, there's that there's some stuff that we were watching that in retrospect, yeah, that was too dark. Don't need that in our lives. I mentioned that I had watched uh, the hundred for a while. I'm like, mm, wish I never would have started. <laughs> Stopped after I think uh, was it season two or three, and by then I'm like, ah, oh, I'm way too far into this. 
so much crap. Never mind. <laughs> so. Yeah, same same applies for the internet. It needs to be clean. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I guess to begin with, um, yeah, give us a bit of uh, listeners a bit of background of, I guess kind of when things maybe started to go downhill, and then we'll kind of get into. Um, a bit of how you, you know, saw the Savior partner with you through that and and uh, how you found freedom in the end through, sure. through experiences. Sure. Um, yeah, so... Um, honestly, like, there was... When I look back at my marriage to my first wife, I don't see anything that was inherently bad. Um I've never been somebody by nature that's been very rebellious or, you know, um, I've never, I've never felt that I had to experience, uh, certain things just to know what they're like. You know, um, I, I've kind of, from a very early age, just decided that I wasn't going to get involved with certain things like drugs, alcohol, you know, some of these things. I mean, I'm certainly certainly far from perfect, but um, but I always took pride in my desire to choose the right, I guess. And that was always kind of something that I just was kind of inherently just a part of me. And so, like most people, I, I, I kind of had my life planned out. And, of course, a mission was after high school was something that I, that I worked toward and, and had a desire to do. Um, of course, you know, getting finding a someone that I could share my life with and and having that eternal marriage in the temple and everything was, was part of that plan. And so, you know, having never been married before, um, you don't, you don't really know what to expect. I mean, I I think we all go into marriage when we're young with certain expectations, but we really don't understand what marriage. (laughs) And, uh, you know, you get, I guess you get a little bit of experience on a mission just, you know, having to live with somebody 24 hours a day and experiencing different people and different things that are, you know, sometimes challenging to, to deal with. But, um, but yeah, so I, I, I you know, I, things were going pretty well. Uh, I started a company. We moved down here. We started our family. I had a successful business. Um, you know, we, we, we were doing relatively well financially. We, we weren't struggling and and we were really, really blessed. I mean, I felt I, I felt truly blessed my whole life. And I, I recognize that part of that is just, you know, um, trying to, to live the gospel and live the commandments. And I know that, you know, although the Lord doesn't withhold challenges, um, he certainly blesses us when we when we strive to keep the commandments. And so I've, I'm a very blessed human being, very blessed man. And so. So I didn't feel that there was anything inherently wrong, tr- frankly, with my relationship with my ex-wife. And that's what's kind of so strange about how the divorce occurred, because um, I now look back and recognize some of the things that maybe were not as good as they needed to be. And some of the things that, that uh, you know, some of the signs within our relationship that had I known better, I, I could have maybe made some different choices but but the point was is that I you know I was always somebody that was trying to make sure that she felt loved and was happy and and I I was you know her her happiness and and her you know making sure that she felt those things was always kind of a top priority to me and so that was something that I always strive to do and so 
um, after Christmas, actually, we went and spent the holiday up in Idaho with her family. Was this in uh, 2014 still? Or? This was 2013. So it was Christmas, kind of New Year's, right around 2013. And then 2014, so January of 2014, we were home. And uh, it was literally like the first, literally like within a week of us spending the holidays with family. And like we'd done every year, you know, we we had Christmas with the kids. And, you know, that, that's just was kind of what we did. And there was nothing inherently wrong or, or out of the ordinary. It just, it, it was what it was. And I remember coming home one day and, um, and uh, my wife, I don't know, like her demeanor was just, just kind of changed, you know. And she came up to me and she said, I don't love you. I haven't loved you for a long time. I don't want to be with you anymore. I want a divorce. And <laughs> you can imagine like how that felt. And it was like, what? Hold on. Wait a minute. Right. It was just kind of like shocking up. Like, what, what are you talking about? You know, like, like, how long have you been keeping this in? Right. You know, it, it was it was really just completely out of the ordinary and, and unusual. And I mean, I would understand, of course, if there was a history there of, of abuse or just, you know, like if, if, if we were just constantly fighting and, you know, just really struggling for a long period of time. Sounds but, like it was like just kind of a, I, I mean, I'm sure it's part of, probably part of your story, but I'm wondering if it's kind of like a, just one of those matters of one or both parties just didn't like maybe there was just like a I don't know what do you call that forgetting the small stuff perhaps yeah. and just over time it just kind of festers and festers and then oh one day you wake up and realize wait a minute this isn't what I thought it was going to be by now sure yeah like I said um, you know I and I'll talk a little bit more about kind of what I learned as yeah. we get a little bit further in sure. so don't let me don't let me skip past it because it is important <laughs> Um, because I think, I think there's some things that I gained from that relationship that are important for anybody who's married now, uh, to know and understand so that similar situations don't occur. Um, but it, nevertheless, I was, I was pretty, pretty taken back by this news. And, um, you know, there was kind of a, almost like a darkness. I, I want to say just, it was it reminded me like her demeanor from that point forward, I just felt that she just really changed. And I, I've had, I don't know if any of you've had friends or, or maybe family member that's gotten addicted to drugs or something like that. Um, I have. And, and when you see somebody in that state from where they've been, you know, pre addiction, you almost feel like their soul is gone. Like mm-hmm. it, the, the physical aspect is there, but but the the person that you know and love is is yeah. is gone. Shell of the shell of the the person you grew to love. Right. It reminds me almost. Um, well, not almost. <laughs> it reminds me of um, oh, the short President Monson told it. I forget which conference this was in years back, when he uh, mentioned this this what was it, like an atheist professor or something. I don't remember what it was, but uh, his whole life he had you know been a very outspoken atheist, God doesn't exist, there's no, no such thing as the soul, all that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, then his wife died. I'll never forget the story because in the end of the story, President Monson's like kind of summarizing that this man was writing about his wife's death and it changed him. 
and enough so that he he later wrote something like, and I'm paraphrasing, like, you know, she, but she she's not herself anymore. It's like her body's there, but it's not really her. It's something's missing. What what could it be? But the soul. And he kind of woke up and oh wait a minute, Some, this is okay. I can feel this now, you know. Right. So. Yeah. Well, that's that's just it, I, that, and that's kind of how it felt uh, from that point forward. There just seemed to be a lot of bitterness, a lot of anger. Mm-hmm. Um, even hate, I guess, in some ways, I guess, is what, what was felt. And, and I couldn't understand where that was stemming from. But, um, but immediately, you know, I, I remember I contacted my bishop right away. And I was kind of just befuddled. I didn't know what to do. And so I reached out to my bishop at the time, called him, and, and he asked us to come in and talk to him. And, which we did and and um and you know he recommended some some counseling and so we we kind of started that process of trying to hopefully mend this relationship and really come to grips and understanding the, the roots of what was going on and during that time i was told um just kind of how how terrible i was as a as a husband as a father you know, that I just, I kind of, she just, she made me feel that it was, that the reason that the relationship had come to this point was because of me. And not knowing the circumstances, really, or understanding at that time what was actually going on, um, that that really stings as a husband. Um, I know, I know that. <laughs> especially when you feel like, that you've been doing your best, you know, like when, when you, when you feel like you have really put forth effort into the relationship and you've, you've Mm. sacrificed, you know, at this point, almost 12 years of my life with someone to build a life together and then to have them tell you that you've just basically failed completely at this and that you aren't worth being with that, that hurts. Wow. And, And I just remember just, um, I moved into a guest room in our home because uh, she didn't want she she wanted me to move out of the house and I kind of said I'm not leaving my home but I'll I'll move out of the out of our bedroom if that's okay and so I kind of just literally took up apartment <laughs> in my own home and uh, every night I would just you know we'd come home and I was trying to keep things as normal for my children who were young at that time as possible. I didn't want them to see contention. I didn't want them to see, you know, that things were not good between her mom, their mom and me. Uh, so I would just try to uh, work my way through each evening, come home and just kind of help with that, getting kids fed into bed. And then, and then I would just go in my room and, you know, I didn't have a TV in there or anything, and I just remember sitting in there and just just kneeling down and just bawling in my pillow, just crying, you know, and not understanding, you know, like if, if in fact I had committed such grievous sins, I wanted to make sure that, that I was, you know, I sought repentance for these things because I was literally being told I'd, I'd really done all these things, and so... 
I just was going to the Lord every day and just pleading with him, you know, to, to forgive me for these, these injustices or hard words or, you know, these things that I had been accused of. I prayed, I prayed and prayed to help me to understand what I could do to help my wife, to like help her to see. Mm. Um, You know, I, I think as you're talking about this too, um, I was actually telling Colette just before we, we began this here, I was like, of all the things that Heavenly Father has asked me to, to, you know, go to experience, I, like, between Lamar and I, there was a very little thing, very little life experience that we could relate to, um, aside from, like, losing a child or, um, you know, I don't know, uh, something like, there's a very narrow range of stuff we didn't experience together. And like one of them for me has been I've never like like it's had one thing to have you know one thing to have Lorraine die, but it's entirely another thing when the person chooses to end things. It's not like you know right. Lorraine wasn't a choice, and I'm like, oh, that's almost I almost wonder if that in some respects is even more difficult. I'm like, oh, ow, yeah. like that's I mean I, I think it's awesome that you know the first thing you did every night when you go into your room is pray because it's <laughs> like. I don't know what else I would do besides that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I spent a lot of time with the Lord, I can tell you that, because, um, you know, I, I had spent my whole life building this plan, and as a, as a Latter-day Saint, I think, like many many of us, we kind of get caught up into this ide- idea of what perfection is, right? Like, you know, you you go through seminary and then you go to on a mission and then you go to college and you get married in the temple and you have an eternal family and you're happily ever off and you grow old together, you know? And, uh, that's, I, I, I mean, that's not reality, but that is the perception that many of us kind of have in our minds, especially in our youth. Right. Cause we expect things to go how we think they will. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And looking back, you know, um, I realized that that we all kind of have to have that Abrahamic moment sometime in our life, um, and and I realize now that this was mine at that time. That um, I had I had become used to just kind of having things work out right. I trusted the Lord. And I would just do something I would succeed at. And and I had this plan that was going well, and I had three healthy children, and and things were going really, really well in my life. I mean, I really didn't have a lot to complain about at that time. And so what did the Lord take away? What was the one thing that the Lord could, could remove from my life to really test me to see if I would turn? against him or on my testimony of the gospel and I realized that that was it he would just take away everything that I'd spent my whole life building right so if I may what's I'm curious that that first I guess maybe perhaps the first like moment or few days or whatever after you know that kind of bombshell came out right um how would you describe your I guess your spiritual slash emotional response to the Lord, those first few days or whatever that was, when it was kind of like, 
almost coming, maybe coming down off of this train that just crashed or whatever, however right. you want to describe that. How would you describe your, that, that kind of spiritual, emotional reaction? Sure. Well, um, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of embarrassment, I think, um, that we experience just as, just, was a natural consequence of something like this happening, you know, especially as a member of the church who's been married in the temple. This is not something, this is not how it's supposed to be, right? Like, um, divorce happens for people that get married, you know, that are in the secular world and half of them don't make it. But, you know, when you're married in the temple, you're committed to each other forever, or so I thought. And so I felt just very confused and I felt very alone because there was very few people I felt like I could talk to about this. You know, I couldn't, and, and, and I had a lot of hope still at that point too, that, that I could turn this around, you know, like I, I was just literally praying for inspiration to know what my wife's heart, where my wife's heart was, what it was that it hurt her so badly that she would take such a drastic you know, she makes such a drastic decision that would affect my my life and her life forever, literally. Um, and so I just prayed and prayed, and and I would meet with the bishop, and and every two weeks I was meeting with the bishop. And after our first meeting, um, she was so contentious and just kind of so angry that he asked us to meet with him individually from that point forward. And so, um, so this went on for several months, and I just was in and it was interesting because the answer that I always get when I ask what what can I do Lord like what do I need to do and he always just told me the the answer was always just to love her to love her and so despite the situation despite what was going on you know I remember giving her something for Valentine's Day Um, I remember staying up late very late one night and blowing up a bunch of balloons and decorating the house um, later that night so that when she woke up, it would be decorated for her birthday. And these might sound like crazy things that, like, why would you do that for somebody that kicked you out of your bedroom and doesn't want to be with you anymore? And... You know, the only thing I, the only explanation is that I just, I did it because I knew that that was what the Lord asked me to do. And that was my way of demonstrating obedience to him and, and that I was committed to my relationship with my wife at that time. Um, and, you know, admittedly, she was very just, um, nonchalant and not, you know, very short just like mm. oh thanks you know there was there was no real gratitude or <laughs> yeah. you know it's anything. part of what you're saying there reminds me of this uh um i don't know if you've seen it there's i forget which talk show it was somebody was oh, i forget that black guy's name <laughs> that's all i remember about him he was a really funny guy but he's on the show talking about, uh the, the the host was saying you know i i heard you don't drink he goes no no i don't drink i, I quit a while ago you know it's, we have that in common and he goes, the, th- the thing is, uh, when you're talking about, like, expectations, if you know, this is uh, like Latter-day Saint marriage, temple marriage, there's expectations, right? And the guy's like, I don't get the shot, you know? Some people, 
know, when they find out I don't drink, they're like, what, 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 did you do? Did you do something wrong? Did you, did you beat your wife? Did you, did you ruin marriages? Did you, did you kill somebody in the vehicle? We, what, what, we can't believe you don't drink poison. Explain to us why you don't drink poison. <laughs> you know? And he's like, man, if, if I told someone I wasn't going to drink water anymore, they'd say, okay. I lost my lights. Hold on one second. <laughs> no worries. No okay. worries. And it's just like so, yeah. the expectation. I'm just like, yeah, I, I almost think I, I'm wondering, like, with you know, the whole. It, I'm sure, I'm sure, like the the visual and the you know being in other people around church and stuff. I'm sure people notice and was like, how was there a specific like significant struggle for you, like with how things looked from the outside, or was were people like was anybody making that difficult for you, or? Um, you know, fortunately not. Um, oh, like I said, at this point, very few people knew. I, I, I literally, the only person that I had talked to about what was going on was my bishop, my dad, and my brother. Okay. They were the, the only three people that I had really mentioned any of this to. I hadn't talked, really shared anything with any friends or anybody. Because, I, again, I felt like this was this was just kind of one of those situations that we just need to work through, you know, and that everything was going to be okay in the end. I mean, I kind of, I held on to that the entire time. I mean, for, for six months, I mean, even, even when papers were filed and discussions about custody and things were happening, I always felt in the back of my mind that, um, that, that things were going to work out, that, that things were going to be okay. That's awesome. And, um, Hoping that minds would be changed. Sorry, what was that, Clint? Hoping that minds and hearts would be changed. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I always held on to that, you know, and 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 I can I just I remember just feeling so close to the Savior during this time because he understood everything that I was going through perfectly, yeah. and and I relied on him more than than perhaps ever before in my life just because I, I just felt like. Um, you know, he was always there and, and, and just kind of guiding me along and helping me. And, you know, when the divorce was finalized, an interesting thing happened, which at the time was extremely painful, but I now realize was a huge blessing, ironically. Hmm. I, that's another thing that I learned is that, that in these hardships and these things that we go through that seem almost insurmountable, or unfair at the time, um, on the other side of it can be something so much greater and bigger and better than we ever imagined. And so I, uh, in the state of Utah, you have to have, there's a three month grace period basically where once the divorce papers are are filed, they have, they have three months that are, that you are still married technically that they require before the divorce is finalized. And so even even to all the way to the point where I was literally moving my wife and my three children out of that home, where we were, we were moving things out of homes, I still felt in my heart and mind that there was hope. There was a chance that she would get out there and realize what a terrible decision <laughs> this was and that she would come back. And then... Uh, unbeknownst to me at that time, she, she, she actually petitioned to have that three-month 
grace period waived. She did. She wanted like she wanted to be, the divorce to be done, and so it was filed with the judge. And I got an email within a week stating that we were divorced. That he had waived the three month that three month waiting period. Wow. And so, literally, it was June second, twenty fourteen. Um, and I just got this email and I remember coming home from work that day, just kind of still in shock about what had happened. And here I was like six months, my life had completely changed from one, from what it was to something completely new. And, and I remember going home and it was empty. It was dark, it was quiet, but it was peaceful. And for the first time in a long time, I felt the spirit again in my home. And I remember sitting down in one of the few pieces of furniture I had left. And I just have that one-on-one conversation with the Lord, you know, that I'm sure many of us probably would have in that situation. And I just remember making kind of a covenant with him that I wouldn't turn my back on him. Because with those those situations, when you go through something that traumatic in your life, it really either will drive you closer to Christ or away from him. Mm-hmm. And I've seen it happen for both. I've seen both happen from other individuals that I know. And mm-hmm. I, I knew for a fact that um, I knew it was out there if I, if I went the other way. I didn't want anything to do with that. I didn't want to carry anger I didn't want to carry hate or carry some of these negative feelings and, and walk down a path of destruction that would ultimately just lead me to more unhappiness in my life and so I just remember sitting there and and having that one-on-one with the Lord and I said well Lord I didn't expect this to happen and uh you know, as well as I do, I did my best. And I felt peace, like I felt his love, and I felt um, a, a confirmation to that statement that, that he was pleased with my efforts, that he knew I had done everything I could to keep that relationship together. And he taught me that, you know, even I can't control people's agency. Even yeah. I can't make people do anything. Yep. You can only, only, the, only the Lord can soften hearts like that. Yeah. Even then we have a choice. But, yeah. but you know, Lucifer's plan is to force, right? Mm-hmm. Satan wants to force us into obedience. But even Heavenly Father, he'll, he'll let us do terrible things to each other. He'll let his children hurt each other and do awful things to each other because he will not interfere with their agency. And my ex-wife had her agency, and she exercised that agency. And I knew that I had done everything I could to, to keep that relationship together. And I felt peace about that decision. Yeah. And I also felt at that time uh, just that I deserved to be happy. I had a, just a, the Lord just told me, said, you know, it's okay. I know you did your best, but you will be happy again. 
your yeah. life will be restored. Yeah. I, felt, I just felt in my heart that my life would be restored and that what was lost would be, you know, that, that not all was lost, right? That, that somehow in the Lord's way and in, in, in the Lord's time, that, that things would be okay. And so I just, I remember getting up from my knees and just feeling great. As strange as that sounds, like <laughs> I felt, I felt peace. I felt, I felt joy. I felt that I was okay with the Lord, that, that, that I was clean before him, you know, that I hadn't, I hadn't, um, violated my covenants because of what had happened. Yeah. And those were things that were very important to me, of course. And so, so, um, so fast forward, I, I go through this experience and, uh, about three or four weeks later, a friend of mine encouraged me to maybe start dating again. He's like, Hey man, <laughs> you know, you're single again. And I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm 36 years old. I have three kids and I'm divorced. I'm, I'm, I'm LDS. So yeah, there's, I'm sure the, the pool is really large. I'm sure there's tons of women that are just breaking their doors down for some 36-year-old <laughs> middle-aged man. <laughs> and that was my, and, and admittedly, and I, I want to tell if there's anybody out there that's experiencing anything like this, and you know, or who, who's been through a divorce, I just want to tell you there's hope. Um, and that I was completely wrong in that, in that preconceived notion that, that all that was left out there were going to be, uh, women that could never get married because they had terrible personalities or whatever, (laughs) (laughs) or, uh, just, you know, some woman that has 10 kids that just needs somebody to step in and kind of take care of her. You know, know, it's interesting is when you're talking about the, the whole thing about the Lord, um, saying you know, you're, you're going to be happy again, right? Um, the, I remember thinking, like, a different angle here, but um, right after Lorraine passed, I'm like, how okay am I with this am I supposed to be? Because there's a part of me that's like, you know, I, I, I had promised Lorraine, I said, she, she had made me promise, you know, no matter how bad my health is, even if it looks like I'm just going to die, you preserve my life as long as possible no matter what. Even if the doctors say we can't make her better again, we just can't. Like say, she's like, even if I'm unconscious, you keep preserving my life as long as my body will hold on. Um, and then you know, I, I call her my Canadian mom. Amelia comes into the room and she's like, you know, I know you promised her that, but don't you think she's had enough pain and suffering? Like I, I mean, and at this point, her heart rate was down like in the sixties, fifties. Her her O two is at like sixty seventy percent, maybe. It was really bad, and you know her whole body was cold. Her veins were showing everything, and you know it was like, don't you think that she's had enough pain? And what 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 about what the Lord wants? I know she made you promise that, but is there something that He might want for her that trumps what she asked you to do? I'm like, oh. So, you know, and then that first night, I you know you 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 as you described that whole situation coming home, and it's cold, it's dark, I'm alone. And that moment where it sinks in, oh my gosh, this really is, it, it, this, this is real. Like, this is your new normal. This is your new normal. And then, <laughs> you know, that, that first night when I, you know, the first, well, I should say the first night I spent at my bishop's house. But then after that, like the, the next, after the first few nights, I, I kind of told people, you know, people were saying, hey, do you need to want to spend time? Like, everyone was asking, why don't you come to our house for the night or our house for the night so you're not at home alone? And 
I'm like, honestly, I've got so much crap to go through. I have to sort through 10 years worth of stuff in our apartment to see what, what's going to go and what's going to stay and what, I can, what I'm supposed to keep and get rid of. I, I mean, I spent so much time up during the nights just alone in our apartment going through stuff because there's so much to figure out. And that first night where I was at home alone, I'm just, it was similar. I'm like, Heavenly Father, um, well, although the difference for me was um, she's not just, you know, not just like oh, I'm never going to see her again because, you know, or in this life at least, because it's like she, like, I can't, she's not physically here ever, like, at all anymore, you know? And uh, until the resurrection, at least. And so it's like my prayers were more of, I kudos to you because you did better than me. <laughs> uh, my prayers were more like, Heavenly Father, why couldn't she tell me she loved me first just once? Why couldn't this happen? Why did she have to go so soon? Things didn't end between us the way we thought they would. This is not fair. Blah, 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 on and on and on. <laughs> like, you know, so I'm like, I'm impressed that, you know, you you responded with such faith, you know. So that's, I mean, if, that's something else that, you know, can I think can give listeners hope too is, if you know if you can respond like that who says that they can't yeah you said something really important you know um during those during that six month period um you know one of the most important lessons that i learned and that the lord taught me was to forgive and you know when somebody does something like that to you it doesn't matter what it is i mean this was obviously like you know, when somebody ends a relate a twelve relationship and 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 you know puts you through a divorce, kind of uh, un- against your own will in many ways, um, that's a that's a pretty big deal. And I just remember, um, once I was able to just a- accept what had happened and continue to love and 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 again, you know, just let the Lord kind of work with me all that pain just went away and and I didn't I mean like I said I felt peace I felt okay I felt that um, you know that I had fought for what was there and that agency had been exercised and that I had done my best and so I was okay like once I got to that point where I was ready to start dating again or whatever I was in a good place spiritually mentally and emotionally like I was okay with that because the Lord had just literally just he had carried me that whole time mm-hmm. and had helped me to really trust in him. And I think that's really the, the biggest lesson that I learned is that you just have to trust in the Lord, even though you don't understand why something is happening at the time. He will never turn his back against you. Yeah. He will never leave you, lead you astray. He will never leave you alone. Wow. That was that was a very powerful lesson, you know, for me. But but again, when you're going through through literal like for me, it was hell. I mean, I I lost 25 pounds just from anxiety. Oh just, man, just not eating, not having an appetite, and just worry for you know for that whole period of time, just just scared about you know feeling uh, feeling nervous about what was happening and and the repercussions of all this, and so. So anyway, so that, wow. that that's that's really kind of where I was at, I guess. Yeah. So yeah, go ahead. <laughs> How with all that you went through, um, and t- 
turning to the Savior, how did the Savior allow you to gain freedom from or freedom to to move forward? And yeah. I, I kind of, my, my thoughts with that, too, is kind of two questions in one here. What was it that you found most freedom from or to do through it? Um, I mean, I think, honestly, like, the, 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 the thing that the Lord really freed me from was my own doubts about my worthiness that I, that, um, that I could be forgiven. Right. Because I certainly hadn't had a perfect marriage. I'll be the first to admit that I had made some mistakes. You know, sometimes things get said, um, in a moment of anger or frustration. Uh, sometimes we do things that are careless or selfish and sometimes we just do things that aren't intended to be hurtful, but they are. And I, I, I knew that I had I'd made some of those errors and mistakes. And I asked the Lord for forgiveness. I asked my ex-wife for forgiveness for those things, you know. Um, but I think probably the most freeing thing was, was being able to free myself from those, those really what I call a cancer of the soul, which is those bitter feelings, the anger, the betrayal, the just, you know, those feelings that Satan encourages, contention, Mm -hmm. the desire for revenge, those kind of things. That's what the Lord freed me from. That's what I like that phrase you used. I think we'll do that one if you're good with it for the title of the episode, freedom from the cancer of the soul. (laughs) Yeah, it is the cancer of the soul. And we're seeing it all around us. I mean, look at Look at what is happening to our, our society oh and gosh. how hate and division is being so, you know, pushed in our faces every day, all the time. We feel very unsafe. Yes. And, and none of this comes from God. We know that, mm-hmm. you know. We know. The Book of Mormon says contention is of the devil. And so that, I think, is probably what the Lord really helped me with the most is he allowed me to free myself and he, he let me take all those burdens and all that pain from going through that experience and all that loss, you know, finan- I mean, you know, financial loss and the loss of having my children with me all the time. I mean, coming home after, after 12 years of being able to come home and seeing your kids and, and spending time with your family to come home to an empty house where the experience has been taken from you those are the things that the Lord needed to heal me from right that's what he needed to take from me and help me to understand that it was going to be okay and so that that was probably the biggest blessing for me is is that once I did start dating and once I did meet my beautiful wife now Dana I was in a I was in a wonderful position because I, he had helped me to overcome all those things. I wasn't carrying that, those bitter feelings and that anger and, and all those past things that I had gone through. I, I was free. I was free from that. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, funny, the, one thing I think of when you, like, the collective, uh, I guess, it, it kind of emotional spectrum that we labeled as the cancer of the soul here, it's, you know, I... I think of the the cleansing power of the of Christ his atonement that you allowed that you invited into your life with the way you responded there to everything that happened like 
Because, I mean, it can be... <laughs> oh, my gosh. The number of people up in Canada who... I mean, I know they're just doing their job, but the doctors and nurses and sometimes even well-meaning people who just wanted to offer advice and solutions that were just un- unhelpful or even sometimes they thought they were being nice, but they were really being, like, super rude. <laughs> like, there was one person who even asked, like, like, have you tried this? Have you tried this? Like, like, like 20 different things or something like that. Um, I might be overshooting that, but the, this person mentioned, I remember, have you tried this and that and that and the other thing. And she got so exasperated at one point where she's like, you know, because, you know, we weren't taking any of her advice, or we had, and uh, it didn't work. She got so exasperated with us because, oh, I don't feel like my value is any, worth anything to you. And she was like, well, maybe you just don't want it bad enough. I'm like, <laughs> what? <laughs> Did you just say that? Like, the hundreds upon hundreds of phone calls I've made, the medical professionals I've chewed out, and and just bucked and snorted and whined and and argued with people just to try and keep you know my wife alive. How could like and so you know even things like that. It's like when you learn to let that go and let the savior, you know, what did Christ say? You know, vengeance is mine. I will repay. It's not ours to deal with. Right. Um, sounds like like there's a fair bit of that in there too. And I think that's just awesome. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, you know. Um... Sometimes, and this is a false belief that many of us carry with us, we feel that by extending forgiveness to somebody who's wronged us in in whatever capacity, that somehow by doing so, we are are basically just saying that what they did was okay, right? That that somehow if we forgive somebody, that that this is is something that helps them, that we're accepting – whatever it was that they did that was so that offended or hurt us and we're saying you know what that was okay and that's not what forgiveness is in fact it's quite the opposite what forgiveness does is it frees you not the person because in many times the person that offended us or or did something to hurt us they're they're not carrying that burden with them they're just going about (laughs) their lives i mean when you think about it how, how many times we we hold grudges against people sometimes that don't even know that you're upset with them. You know, we, we tend to do this and I, I you know, and so I've seen this happen before. Yeah. My mission and president, so, um, uh, how did he word it once? He's like envy and you could, you know, apply this to lack of forgiveness too. Um, grudges, uh, is the poison we take to hurt someone else. Right. Exactly. And once again, it's that cancer of the soul, you know, it's it's carrying those things that are unnecessary, and when you give when you give those things over to the Lord and you you really really extend forgiveness to somebody who's hurt you that way, all of a sudden the Lord lets you see them or at least have a glimpse of how He sees them. And what was interesting is that my my feelings of kind of like just betrayal and anger and frustration and embarrassment and all of those things that I felt towards my ex-wife kind of turned into more love. Um, I, I felt bad about the decision that had been made. I started feeling, um, praying, praying for her. Sounds like there's a lot of empathy there. Yeah. Yes. Like just, 
trying to understand more of where she's coming from and hope and hoping that over time that 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 she can feel that same peace and joy in her life because a lot of this was was rooted in a level of unhappiness that she just kind of had been experiencing for a long time and trying to fill that void you know with with things in her life that will never bring you happiness i guess is really what it comes down to so Mm -hmm. uh, anyway it's just interesting how the lord can change our hearts and help us to kind of see things in a different way and yeah. see see people through his eyes in some ways and so that's kind of what i experienced but wow. anyway thanks for all your wow this is just a gold mine honestly <laughs> thanks so much brandon any final thoughts you have hun awesome well um again thanks for your input for your story for the light and the hope that I'm sure a lot of listeners will get from this. Um, I hope so. And anyone yeah, I hope who's, so. who's also in your previous boat where you, they're divorced or wondering what's next, um, I know that when before I met Paul, I was in a single adult ward that it was 31 to 45, and there was many in there that were in the same boat. And there, there are some that were, you know, had gotten to the point where you are, where they turned to the Lord, there are some that didn't. And you, yeah. Seeing the comparing, the contrast, how important it is, really is to turn to the Lord so you can have that happiness and joy despite the circumstances you find yourself in. And even sometimes because of it, from my own experience, not with divorce, but I mean, with yeah. having hard things happen, it's like, sometimes he can, like, more often than you might think, he can use those things to actually bless you more because of them. Well, this is what, and I'll just, I'll close with this, but that was one thing that was really interesting and, and really a blessing in my life is that ever since my divorce, um, I've had a number of opportunities to sit down, even with like literally complete strangers, individuals who were dealing with a similar, very similar situation as what I went through. And that the Lord was able to use me and my experience to bless others and to help kind of give them hope when they were feeling hopeless and to give them peace and, and help them and reassurance that, that, you know, even if, even if a divorce took place, that they, you know, if, even if this happened, that, that there were things to look forward to. Yeah. And, um, and that would be my message is that, um, that the Lord, he understands us better than anybody. He knows us. He understands our feelings perfectly. He has perfect empathy and perfect love for us. And, um, and so just trust in him, let him change your heart. Let him be a part of you. Turn, put your heart with him and experience that, that real, you know, mighty change of heart, that baptism of fire, let him really fill you with that. And, um, and he can change you. He really literally can change us and, and take away all those pains and all those sins and all the, all the negative things that that we experience in mortality mm-hmm. that, that that I know that I have a testimony of because I've, I've felt it and I've seen I've seen that those miracles in my own life awesome well thanks again Brandon hope you have a wonderful day Enjoy thank you very much guys thank you so much for listening that was just amazing um, what a great testimony and faith that has been shared today 
um, that when we do turn to God and our, our Savior Jesus Christ, how much sweet becomes the bitter. And All the way around? Or bitter becomes sweet? Yeah, bitter becomes sweet. <laughs> I know what you meant. Like, I'm my, pretty sure everybody my else My brain knew what I was talking about. Pretty sure anybody else would know uh, that too. Yeah, we get it. Well, well it's just that the Savior steps in and he makes a situation that's terrible become something that you can manage just like uh, countless times he does in the Book of Mormon and how to have a, a modern a modern account mm-hmm. of that today was yeah. just just amazing I like that you mentioned the Book of Mormon because like the first thing that would come to mind when you say that that pretty much like the same thing happened to Brandon like different trial but same principle um, um, as Alma like Alma's people like when they were they weren't doing anything wrong and like just happy living their lives and all of a sudden out of nowhere just like Brandon had that one night kabam like wait wait what hold on hold the phone huh <laughs> what and it's the same thing with Alma and his people out of nowhere here comes the Amulonites with the Lamanites they're all, living all happy in their land and hey um we're, we're, we need you we need your help and then they end up in bondage like wait what huh we just showed you the way back you promised us well nope never mind seems seem, seem like element of surprise right and I'm like yeah. So, so, like... And to be able to take in such stride and... Uh-huh. Just always turning to the Lord, making sure that he's first. Exactly. And that is one of the reasons when he went home that first night, and it's like, I felt peace. Because he had turned in prayer, and he had done what the Spirit told him. Love her anyways. Love her no matter what. Um, yeah. The same thing happened to him that happened to Alma and his people. It's like he, the Lord didn't take it away from him. He didn't ter- change Brandon's wife's mind, his ex-wife. He didn't change her mind. He said, I'm going to give you the strength to bear this, and just like he did with Alma's people. So. Yeah, and the fact that he was able to celebrate her birthday and right. all oh these things gosh. without... <laughs> being bitter. <laughs> yeah, without being bitter. Just did it with love and you know, showed to be very amicable and respectful and showed her as kids how to do the same he didn't want them to see the negativity it's like I honestly I don't know if I could have done that (laughs) I I, I wanted to be like so I'm going to tell you the truth kids um, because you deserve to know this is what's happening between your mom and I I want them to be a part of it but I mean I guess it does take a special strength to be able to say this isn't their fault. They don't deserve the crap from this, so let's keep them happy. Yeah, it's like, it wasn't their fault. It, yeah, it was her yeah. choice. And it's just like... Your mom made a choice. Mm-hmm. And he didn't... And like, he made he, a In choice. this episode, and I'm sure in the process, from what it sounds like, he didn't He didn't do the whole, you know, we disagree about this and this wrong and that's wrong. I, he just, from the sounds of what he was... I mean, he, obviously, we don't have any details of it, but it's like, you don't need them. I'm thinking how much faith would it have taken to just be like... I'm just gonna try and be a peacemaker. That's it. Like this is between us two. That's it. like okay. That's like a really awesome way to respond. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. So learn from Brandon and learn from President Oaks. <laughs> it's super crazy, awesome talk. That just fortifies what Brandon said. So, and all the rest of them too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All It's funny because they, they, I noticed them on online thing, and like they only put like the sessions as a total. I'm like they didn't separate the talk shit. What? <laughs> I mean, that's not a bad thing. It gives more, more reason to go through the whole thing again, right? But so thanks for listening. Um, 
if you enjoyed anything or everything which I did on this episode um, please remember to go uh, onto paulpulsifer.podomatic.com and click that follow link um, written reviews are quite helpful on iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook if you want to leave one of those please if something from this particularly brighten your day or give you strength to carry on through something difficult um, and remember to share, share, share with family and friends Yes, watch conference again and learn from Brandon's example too and as always remember to stand steadfast in the freedom God gave us till next time this is Paul Pulsifer and Philip Pulsifer have a great day